Hey, thanks for downloading this podcast. If you want to listen live, be sure to download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. It's Thanksgiving week, and we are thankful for one quarterback if you own him in fantasy football. After watching Monday night's football game, he left no doubt the MVP of the league. We'll talk about him and a lot more as Fantasy Sports Today starts now. Fantasy Sports Today. And good afternoon and welcome into Fantasy Sports Today. We are about 48 hours away from a great Thanksgiving Day holiday. Hopefully you guys are traveling or going wherever you got to go, enjoying your Thanksgiving and here in 2019. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia here with you on the show. Sean Guastamacchia is producing our program. You can follow us on Twitter at FNTSY Radio. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish. Of course, just as a reminder, folks, uh, Thursday and Friday of this week, no radio show here on FNTSY, but make sure you catch all the good programming we have over on Sports Grid TV. So Joe and I will be here today and tomorrow. Today we'll start to take a look at those Thursday Thanksgiving Day games. And then, of course, we'll also be back tomorrow for the full slate and the full preview. And then we'll return next week with John Lobb and Jamie Eisenberg as we normally do things. But Joe, uh, good afternoon. Welcome in once again as we re- kind of recap things that happened last night. Take a look ahead. Some Florida Man stories and some fun things to get to here on the show. Uh, but certainly the opportunity to get down any money on uh, Lamar Jackson winning the MVP is pretty much gone. I mean, that's it. After last night, I think that that's all but cemented for what he's accomplished at this point. And we'll go over some of the best quarterback seasons of all time. But there's no doubt that uh, this guy is a one-man wrecking crew. I would probably say not only the MVP, but an irreplaceable player in a very short period of time. Within a year, he's become the best player or close to at least the best player in the NFL. He really has. And look, I don't want to, you know, forget everybody always has that recency bias. I don't want to forget how good Patrick Mahomes was last year. He threw 50 touchdowns in his first full season. So he's had a rough go with some injuries, some injuries around him. And that always impacts things as well. So I'm not, you know, I'm not going to forget about you, Patrick. I still love you, too. But I think it's safe to say last night that the Ravens covered the three. Wouldn't you say, Craig Mish? I think that was a pretty safe three. Oh, my goodness. Forty five to six in this contest. Lamar Jackson was throwing touchdowns. Lamar Jackson was running amok. He ran for 95 yards. Uh, Fun stat, too. Every single rush that they had last night was a gain except for three, and those were the kneel downs by Robert Griffin at the end of the game. So there's your fun stat of the day, boys and girls. It was an absolute obliteration of a team. The Rams are just sitting there, and I think they're still shaking their heads trying to figure out what the hell happened to last year. And maybe it's the Super Bowl hangover. It's the girly injury. It's a, a combination of a lot of different things. But the one thing I think we can look for sure is Lamar Jackson, has enormous talent. Lamar Jackson has also the gift of a coach and a system built for him as they continue to elaborate on last night over the broadcast, which I think uh, the guys did a great job on that broadcast talking about that and how important it is for coaches to recognize the talent that they have and say, well, we have to build around the talent, not necessarily make that talent fit into the system of what we want to do all the time. It's something that Bill Belichick has done over the years when he had the two tight ends or maybe he had the different running backs or whatever it was. It's something that Harbaugh has done and converted things over. And I think it speaks to 
the reason why those guys continue to have their jobs and win every year because they identify the talent they have and they cater to that talent to get the best out of them. And right now, you're getting the best out of Lamar Jackson. He is fun to watch, and I cannot wait, Craig Mish, for this game next week with San Francisco. Woo, baby, that is going to be so much fun to watch. And I think, I think the Ravens are going to give them hell, and I can't wait to see what happens when uh, Joey Bosa rushes in and Lamar Jackson scoots away. What happens then? Yeah, it'll be the game of the week for sure. And as we go forward, we'll, you know, the Ravens will at the very least have a home field until the point where they'll have to play the Patriots, it would look like. And that could set up for the ultimate showdown. And look, we thought the ultimate showdown was last year when the Rams played the Patriots in the Super Bowl. And that really wasn't much of one. Uh, and you're right on the flip side of the Rams. I mean, it is stunning. A year ago, it was arguably one of the most exciting games played over the last decade in the NFL where Kansas City took on uh, the Rams and the game was, I think, 44-41 or mm-hmm. something like <clears throat> yeah. that. Yeah, crazy. And you, would, and you would think that in a game where I just quit on the second half, but you would think that in a game where the score was 28-3 to or whatever it was at halftime, that at the very least that what the Rams would do is just throw some garbage points in there just to just for some for, pride you know, for, for something at the end. And they just could <laughs> They couldn't do anything. It's just a really sad, fast decline. That it's, it's almost like every player on the team in a, in a sport, like in hockey or baseball or football, like it's a, like all of a sudden the team gets old and they're just done. And the Rams are, are certainly in that boat. They really have very few impressive wins this season, and that's not taking anything away from Baltimore. It's just it was a, a, a really impressive two-year run, but they look no different now than Jeff Fisher's Rams did. In a few no, years and, ago, so. and the sad part is, too, you look at it, Craig, and you say, well, you know, they really you see all the talent on the roster and they really should be better. And especially on the defensive end, too. I mean, this was an embarrassing evening for the defense, a defense that had played a little bit better of late, but just total embarrassment there and frustration and exhaustion. I mean, it's very difficult. You saw the hands on the hips. And when you start to see that in the first quarter, <laughs> you know, that's not a good sign. You know, kind of where this evening is going and uh, another team that you can mark in that Super Bowl hangover. You know, you lose those Super Bowls and. You know, games that you think that you're the favorite or you have control of those games, and then you lose. A lot of teams and organizations just don't recover from that nowadays. It's a, it's a very funny thing, and it kind of, in, in a way, I think should highlight just how incredible what Buffalo did in the 90s was. The fact that they went there four straight years after losing three times in a row and then getting back there and getting back there, that was an amazing feat. And it no small effort, too, because you, you realize that it took that incredible comeback against the Oilers in order to even do that. But I'll tell you, you look back at this this little window here with McVay. I hope that they get things right. I think he's still a bright young coach. I think there's a lot of talent on that roster. That is a fact. But now it's a matter of, all right, well, how are we going to utilize this talent going forward? And you mentioned also about what are we looking at potentially in that showdown? Maybe it is New England. And I think there's only two things that work against the Ravens, only two. The first is it is hard to go into New England in January and win. That is a tough building. There is very few home field advantages in the NFL left. New England is one of them. And the second thing is the fact that they did play each other already and they already beat them because you gave Belichick and that staff a whole really good look firsthand at what it is you're doing and how they adjusted or didn't adjust. And I'll tell you what, I would still put the money on the Ravens in that game, to tell you the truth, but that is going to be must-see football. That's probably going to be better than whatever Super Bowl cooks up again this year, just like last year's AFC Championship game was better than the Super Bowl as well. Yeah, I, I don't know that that'll be a factor at all uh, in that game, but I, I hope it is a good game for sure in uh, in January when we get to the AFC Championship. It would seem that these two teams are headed for a collision course for sure. Um, and yeah, for the Rams, it's just a debacle. It's it's crazy to think that they have that they've come down this far from where they were a year ago, and they they are definitely not making the playoffs. Uh, Bengals are not making the playoffs, Joe. They've gone back to Andy Dalton at quarterback. Very strange, I would say. 
that uh, Ryan Finley's basically thrown to the dogs for a month, and then I guess they've seen enough. Is the point here that the Bengals want to win a game? I guess. Is it that A.J. Green won't come back unless Dalton's the quarterback? That's another narrative that's being mm-hmm. thrown out there. Uh, I'm not really sure what the answer is, but a strange decision here on a team that's not going to win more than a game, I would think, the rest of the way. Well, I mean, what's the point of this? Well, I think you nailed it. I think you, they gave him a month to see what Ryan Finley was, and they know what he is now. And now you can go ahead and say, all right, that's fine. We're good. And I think you nailed it. I think it is a matter of, well, you know, if A.J. Green's really healthy now, we're probably going to, well, you know, Dalton's the best way to get him back there. And I don't know if you want to win a bunch of games if you're the Bengals. But I think you, you saw what it, Ryan Finley was, and there's nothing else to see. You might as well throw him back in there and try to cater to the fan base a little bit so it's not a complete, I mean, it's already a complete disaster of a season, I guess. I mean, there's no, there's no saving it. I don't know. I mean, I'm not surprised. It's just a strange move. It's a strange I'm not surprised. You were surprised by this? I'll tell you what, your yeah, AJ Green share, if you picked him up, whatever the, the 5%, 10% chance, I think it just tripled of him coming back and playing for at least a game oh. or two. I cut him Sunday. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's part of, part of the game. Um, yeah, Vic Fangio said that Drew Locke, there's no reason to force him in and play two weeks ago. And yesterday he said that they may need to play him. So, I mean, this guy's the head coach is in trouble too, I think. Uh, I mean, all this flip-flopping. Uh, I had a feeling we would see Locke toward the end of the year. I don't think, I think it's inevitable at this point. Joe, it makes no sense to not to give the, I mean, he's the only quarterback that's a rookie that hasn't played yet. If he's healthy, why not? With all the crap they've thrown out there. Look, Brandon Allen had one good game. Since then, he's looked nothing like he belongs to the NFL. No, I mean, same, same deal. You might as well see what you got because next year, there's going to be a whole lot of quarterbacks out there to pick. There's going to be free agent quarterbacks. There's going to be plenty of uh, more guys in the draft. So it's it's absolutely time to get a look. I don't know why you wouldn't. So this makes a ton of sense here. And I just think that first thing about, oh, we're not going to throw him out there. That's just coach speak to, well, we don't want to necessarily cut the knees off this other kid that we're throwing out there right now this week. I think that's really more to the point. Yeah, we'll see him either this week or next week. You'll get your first shot at Drew Locke in the NFL. All right, uh, with the opening drives coming up next, you're listening to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish and Joe Pizzapia, don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. halfway down the field to our hopefully still wide open tailback. I call it Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Fantasy Sports Today presents First play from scrimmage. The opening drive. The first play of the game. From the opening play and all the way for a touchdown. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. It is the opening drive on this November 26, 2019. we got Thanksgiving Day coming up in just a couple of days. Looking forward to some food and some football, three NFL games, one college game as well. As we head toward the weekend, we're going to try to get ahead of these games as much as we possibly can. And it looks like for the second consecutive week, Joe, you'll have to fill in at running back. And the good news is, is that no teams are off. The bad news is that some of those decisions are going to have to be made on Thursday, especially with players like Bo Scarborough and whoever you may flip a coin on with the Atlanta Falcons at this point, may have to play some of those guys because Marlon Mack 
looks like he's not going to play this week for the Colts. James Conner is not going to play this week for the Pittsburgh Steelers, who for the first time in 20 years are an underdog at home to the Cleveland Browns. Thought that was an interesting number. Browns are minus one or one and a half. So time to kind of you know pick up the pieces and fill in a running back. And there, there could be some choices this week. Could go with Scarborough or Sean Penny's going to be someone that people are going to grab this week as well. But being dealt a tough hand for both teams, Joe, because the Colts and the Steelers are still in the playoff picture. Yeah, well, I think that you nailed that name. I think Rashad Penny's the one because, uh, you know, you're looking at the fumbles, you're looking at that stuff, you're looking at the carries, and you start to wonder, okay, is the worst nightmare coming true? And it's funny because three weeks ago we were looking at, man, Chris Carson, he's finally done it. He's, he's established himself as the guy. And the next thing you know, things start to go in the other direction. And I think Penny's that one that you would want to get because my guess is Scarborough's probably gone. Uh, if you want to go the Quadre Allison route in the short week there, maybe you can uh, nab him. That's possible. Benny Snell, another guy I know you're you're definitely high on. But to me, it's probably Penny being the number one guy at running back. Snell would be the number two. And I think you just kind of hope for the best there. And um, it's it's thin right now. It's it's definitely thin. I, I don't I don't pretend like it's not. We're at that point in the season where the running back attrition's really hurt us. And keep an eye out. You know, you know, you just mentioned about I just cut a degree on Sunday. Keep an eye out because a lot of people have to make weird adjustments on Sunday. Sometimes every now and then somebody will get dropped that shouldn't be or that might be able to help another team. So don't take that for granted to go peel through that waiver wire and see if you can find somebody. But the Colts guys all got picked up last week. Bo Scarborough probably got picked up last week. So now it's down to that next group. And Penny, chances are he's available because he's available in my league and flex. And that is a strange thing because almost everybody important is owned or just held on to. So I would keep an eye on him. Yeah, good to pick up. Not sure about starting him, but you have to own him at this point just to see what transpires there. By the way, is there an update on Devonta Freeman? Is he at all supposed to maybe play on Thursday? Or I didn't even you know, heard a word I about don't, him. Uh, no, I haven't heard a word about him either. I'll try to look for the latest news it. there. Yeah, I doubt it too because of the short week. So I, I'm just assuming that they're going to hold him back one more week. But I mean, so yeah, that means I have, I have Hill. Yeah, I have Hill, but I, I don't think I'm going to play him. I, I think I, I play playing anybody over him at this point. Is the fair, update so. is that the injury is improving with the potential to return in the Thanksgiving game. That's the most that I've gotten right now. But All right, so you'll know, but you'll know on, on Thursday. Potential to return doesn't mean good. Yeah, I mean, I you wouldn't know? play Freeman either, but it just it would it would eliminate Hill completely from the conference. Mm-hmm. And the other guy, Allison, who's mentioned. All right, uh, second down here on the opening drive. Oh, a shocking development. Rich Hill is hurt, and he's no. going to miss the first half of next season. He's having shoulder surgery. I mean, somehow Rich Hill always manages to throw 10 to 15 games every year and look really good. But this is certainly, I mean, this guy has overcome so much to continue and so many injuries and blisters over the course of his career. It may not be the worst thing in the world, Joe, honestly, for Rich Hill just to wait and not sign with anyone. And then when somebody gets hurt and the door comes knocking, let this guy come back in June, pitch on a contender, and then roll in there. Because, I mean, if you're only going to give him 10 or 15 starts anyway over the course of the season, why not wait? Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Rich Hill, I remember very fondly. He I won a championship one year on Rich Hill and Cole Hamels, two guys, lefties that came up the same year. I want to say, uh, is it 2005 season? I want to say, if I'm remembering, you know, my memory might be a little hazy there, but I remember those guys came up, Rich Hill with the Cubs, Cole Hamels with the Phillies. I owned both of them and they made a terrific run there at the end of the year. And I thought, man, look at these two guys, man, they're going to be good for a long time. And Cole Hamels went and had his career. And Rich Hill was out of baseball a few years later and then made that run back and worked himself back as a reliever. And I give Rich Hill a ton of credit. There's a lot of guys with probably even more talent that threw in the towel. And the guy just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, which means to me either one or two things. He must love the game of baseball or hate his family. I don't know one of the two things for poor Rich Hill, but this guy just had so many injuries and he keeps going through. And I give him a ton of credit. The guy's a warrior. And... um, you know, if you're making a fantasy investment ever in Rich Hill, and I don't think you should this year, 
But if you ever do that historically, you have to understand it's maybe you're going to get 100 innings. Okay, that'd be great. But that's, you know, that's the standard. That's the high Pretty point, potentially. It. Yeah. It's the quality of the it, innings then. you're getting. And I understand that. He See, I play in a lot of head-to-head formats. So Rich Hill is a guy that I never want because I, I don't, he's never going to be available to me. We're in the season long. Well, okay, in Roto, you throw him out there when he's healthy. When he's not, you, you sit him. You put him on a DL spot. It's fine. You find other guys to stream. And head-to-head, it's much trickier to have an investment in a guy like Rich Hill. But hopefully, he'll find his way back healthy and with another team. Yeah, I, I would say that he, he should just sit out. And then in July, when a team needs a pitcher or in June, it's it's no right. different than... And they will. You know, you know they're reaching over. He could pitch in the independent league for a month. A lot, of, a lot of players wait. They don't sign with anyone. They go pitch in the independent league, and then they get signed. That's that's what teams get scouted there. It's it, Players get scouted. That's part of what they do. It's a really interesting way to do things, especially if you don't get signed in February or March. Uh, all right, on third down... Two coaches in the last 24 hours have lost their jobs. UNLV's uh, head football coach, who really was instrumental in helping them get a new stadium there. He's going to coach his last game of the season coming up this week. He'll be fired. It's probably an attractive job now, by the way, Vegas is uh, UNLV. And uh, not really an attractive job necessarily, but Bob Davey, who, of course, people know from coaching Notre Dame, if you don't play, if you don't pay very close attention to college football, he's actually been the head coach of New Mexico for eight years. And it's done a pretty good job, but it seems as though... And boy, this is hard to say, but it seems as though some things have kind of passed him by at this point. New Mexico is just getting throttled. Davey missed the first game of this season. He was having some sort of medical issues. So he's kind of fired. I don't think he's going to coach again, but at least he kept New Mexico for a couple of years competitive. I believe he took them to two or three bowl seasons also. But, uh, you know, Joe, I know he'll be remembered for coaching Notre Dame. Believe it or not, he coached longer at New Mexico. <laughs> wow, that's that's a fun fact right there. And I wonder, is you know, you mentioned about guys who... Sometimes stay at the dance too long or the game passes them by. What is it about certain guys that are able to age with the game and with the players and other coaches that don't? And it's we're talking baseball, too. We're talking guys that, you know, have had long managerial careers through different generations of different kind of ball players. And what is that? Is that quality you believe that exists in certain head coaches or managers that is the difference? Is that ability to change and adapt? Is that ability to connect with people like you know, I'm trying to think of like there's always these, especially in college football, you get these guys who coach forever, you know, especially, you know, like the paternals of the world and, and some of those other storied uh, college programs. What is it about those guys? What's that factor for you that separates them? Well, baseball and football are completely different because the manager in baseball has very little to do with the outcome of the games. And if there are 162 games, the manager at the very most is worth a plus five, minus five overall on the record. And that's at the very most. I mean, the players are the ones who determine that. The pitchers are the ones who determine that. In college football, the names that you mentioned, like Joe Paterno and Bill Snyder, who was at Kansas State for 100 years, Bobby Bowden, who was at Florida State for 100 years. Bob Davey's not in that category. He's still very hands-on. But, Joe, the the fact is, and if you don't know this, now you do, is that they don't do anything, the head coaches. They they're, they don't coach. But Bobby Bowden did not coach. Joe Paterno did not coach. He's still well, on the I sideline. I understand, right. They were there to recruit. They're like the figurehead. And then the right. other guys so to, were the coaches. So to, right. stay, so to stay along and stay alive in the game, you have to hire great coordinators to basically run the team and that's why a lot of the monikers now on the coaching staff in college football is the assistant head coach and so therefore as an example with Bobby Bowden at Florida State Jimbo Fisher was really the head coach for a number of years at Florida State and as soon as Bobby Bowden left Jimbo Fisher coached the team and then of course he went now as is the head coach of Texas A&M and so it's not the same for everyone uh, they're, you know, Nick Saban included, like they have the headsets on, but there's a lot of these guys who are just simply there to walk in the living room of the kids that they want to go to the school and look like a legend and speak to the, right. the family on the couch and recruit. 
that's why they're able to stay along uh, for a long time. That that's basically it. They don't. They're not. I don't want to say they're not coaching, but they're kind of not coaching. No, I understand. They're they're overseeing. You know, they. It's like an emeritus status. It's like emeritus. No, that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, And finally, a new uh, trailer was released for Star Wars. There's going to be one more after this, apparently, in two weeks. But it shows flying stormtroopers in the new Star Wars trailer, Joe, and and they kind of react to that in a speeder fight. So just thought that that was funny. I wanted to mention that. What do you mean? Like they're flying independently? Yes. Like they have wings? They have like uh, Boba Fett rocket type things. Oh, all right. All right. Well, that I, that I can stomach that. That technology was available by that time. Maybe Boba Fett was the guy that was kind of beta testing that. And then they said, hey, that's really cool. We should have jetpacks, too. So that I, I'm down for that. I understand that. Let's not turn into the flying monkeys of Wizard of Oz, though. Let's not uh, let's not get too goofy there. I did they're hear pretty, yesterday. They're, they're pretty much flying. Pretty cool. Well, I, I heard yesterday that they were able to use some of the scenes with Carrie Fisher that they did not use in the previous films and basically relit, reshot and rewrote things just so she could be in this one. Which yeah, I know interesting. she's been in the trailers too. For Fascinating sure. yeah, how so you could do that too. now. The technology is unbelievable. The things you oh, can Rogue make One. Happen. She was at the end of, oh, yeah? the end of Rogue One. Yeah. Great finish to that movie. You know, that movie was really good. I'm not sure what the team was that wrote that one, but I'll tell you what, man. To me, I'm so much better than the other one so far. It's not even close than all of the reboots, retellings, prequel, whatever. I thought that one was really good. All right, we'll take a quick time out. We'll come back with a little DFS discussion for the weekend. Don't go away. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build and optimize lineups for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Want to be the next daily fantasy millionaire? Then let DailyRoto.com stuff your pockets with cash this Thanksgiving. Get your free trial with the promo code STUFFING to unlock a seven-day elite membership. Leverage Daily Roto's optimizer and industry-leading fantasy projections and learn from the game's best DFS players. Don't be a turkey. Get your free trial. That is DailyRoto.com. Promo code STUFFING for a free trial. New customers only. Offer expires at the end of November. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. A three-game slate coming up, Joe, on Thursday. And then, of course, we got the weekend games as well. I mean, typically, I mean, I don't play uh, DFS, so I'm not really sure how it would work. But is it something that you'll play, Joe, on Thursday and the weekend? Will you incorporate players from Thursday's games into the weekend games? How does that all work? Uh, no, I mean, normally you just you play the Thursday slate on its own because there's three games. And a lot of people like to do it who don't usually play DFS because they're sitting around. They see the commercials. They're like, oh, yeah, I'm sitting around here. I'm, I'm waiting for the food. I'm waiting for the turkey to come out. And, you know. This person's going on and on about a political thing or what have you. And, you know, people are looking to kind of uh, get a little side entertainment, as it will, at the very least. So if you're going to do that, and if you're not somebody who plays on a weekly basis, I just want to kind of walk everybody through what's going on and, and what you should look for if you're playing on DK or if you're playing over on FanDuel. And I want to start over on the DK side, where, again, you got the full point PPR. And if you need extra help, Mike Blue and I are going to be there Thursday morning. Excuse me. Uh, yeah, Thursday morning, 8 a.m., 
in New York. So you can watch it on Zumo and Pluto and everywhere else. And we'll break that slate down for you too. But it's a matter of approach and it's a matter of the values on the different sides of the different players and what you're looking for out of these types of players in the scoring. So it's really no different than anything else. It's a matter of you can't kind of be lazy about it. You have to have a, at least a general working knowledge of what's going on if you're going to venture into this pool. And I think the first thing you start with, believe it or not, is you go look at the defenses. You got these three games on the slate and you know probably the lowest total is going to be that Lions game. And the Bears defense does have players like Khalil Mack who are going to create turnovers. And I think that's what you're looking for. And they are just 2,500. They are the second, uh, actually third cheapest defense on the board. And I want to highlight them because I really do feel like that is a defense that you look at that young quarterback Driscoll got exposed a little bit last week by Washington on the road. Yeah, he's been pretty good so far at home. But at the same point, it's the Bears defense. You do recognize those guys that can create a little havoc. And that's important. And also on the special teams too, what they're able to do. Uh, Then you kind of move up to the tight end position. And we look at the tight end, obviously the full point PPR is not a great slate for tight ends. We're talking about, you know, Hooper's out. Hawkinson's never a factor. Uh, You can go with the Jason Witten route and all that. You can go down to Knox. But I think Jared Cook, you see the volume starting to come his way, and that's valuable. And at 4,800, I think that's a really intriguing player. Now, I guess the question is when you look at the game log, Craig, and you see this guy's put up double digits four weeks in a row, I would say that's a very high floor player that's worth that $4,800 investment. Would you agree? Uh, I, I don't see. I'm looking at the, the tight end possibilities for Thursday, and there are none. So Exactly. Well, there <laughs> is mean, one I, other one when we get to FanDuel. Okay, you'll have to tell me because right. I'm looking at the games, and I don't see <laughs> the Bears and the Lions, the Bills and the Cowboys, the Falcons and the Saints. I mean, this is a tight end wasteland on Thursday. It's pretty I'm tough. Concerned. It's pretty tough, and if you're going to pay for a tight end, do it on DraftKings with Cook because the floor is very high. And it'll help you kind of offset some other costs of some other guys. on. But the isn't everyone going to use Cook on Thursday? Um, it doesn't. Here's the thing. Because it's a three person slate, it doesn't matter if everybody uses Cook. It matters, especially if you're playing in cash games, which also I would recommend. Don't If you want to throw a tournament lineup out there or the same exact lineup that you did in a tournament, that's fine. The trick is to not overthink things. People get way too wrapped up in the chalk. Well, guess what? Michael Thomas is chalk every week. And every week he returns value despite the fact he's a giant premium in terms of what you got to pay for him. So you need to kind of take that out of your thought process of, well, won't he be heavily owned? Well, yeah, but is he going to give you 12 points? Probably. And as far as cash games, especially when you're just trying to make, hey, I'm going to throw 25 bucks in, see if I can turn it into another 25. That's a good way to think about it. And I think that's something that will uh, absolutely work for you. Now you need to move on to the wide receiving core. I think it's almost impossible not to own Michael Thomas. I don't care if everyone else will, for that same reason that Craig just discussed. I'm looking at this and you look at the game log, you look at the return. He's actually $100 cheaper than he was last week. You look at the matchup. It's a no brainer. Michael Thomas is the guy. And then I would kind of go down a little bit at wide receiver because of the full point PPR. A lot of people will be tempted to go with Julio or uh, even Alan Robinson, who's been very steady. You could do that as well. But there's two guys, Randall Cobb and Cole Beasley, who have a ton of volume coming their way in these potential games. Uh, Cole Beasley going back to Dallas, I think is a real good spot for him. And you look at, The amount of targets, we're talking like six to seven targets for both of these guys in this game minimum. That's what you want, and you want to solidify that. At the running back position, you got Singletary, Tariq Cohen, guys who you might not notice it, but especially Tariq Cohen, you go, "Eh, that's not really exciting, but it is on DK. 13 points, 18 points, 12 points, really high floor. That will work for you in cash games. Montgomery hasn't done anything. Go with Tariq Cohen. Go with Singletary, also trending in the right direction. And this allows you to go pay up for Ezekiel Elliott and Dak Prescott in this game against Buffalo which they should bounce back. So 
Does that make sense to you as somebody who doesn't play DFS as an approach for you to go out there and get a high floor of talent? You got some upside with guys like Thomas, with guys like Ezekiel Elliott, guys like Prescott, but you also got a high floor with guys like Cook, Cobb, and Cohen. Everything sounded good except Prescott. Every other thing sounded good. What's your negative on Prescott? I'm curious as to the reason why. Because there hasn't been a quarterback all season long to do well against the Bills in any NFL game this season. So I just, Fair enough. I, I, I couldn't do it. That's the, that's the only thing. Well, um, here's the option the Bills, you have. The Bills threw 11 games. Mm-hmm. Eight out of the 11. I, I saw the stat. Eight out of the 11 games, opposing quarterbacks had their worst game of the season. And three, in, and three different times in the 11 games, quarterbacks have been benched after games against the Bills. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't know that. Maybe things will be different on Thanksgiving, and I know it's a week-to-week league, but I just I would probably have to go somewhere else because if the Bills are basically shutting down every single quarterback in the NFL, like why would I go to Prescott there? I would, some of I would those try numbers, anybody else. Some of those numbers are enhanced a bit by the fact that the division they play in has not had some really great offensive moments. Well, let's put that. Even the Patriots, the last six games have not been good offensively. Uh, but when you look at the Prescott game log, it's the short week. It's at home, 18, 21, 22, 29, 34. Last week was eight. Obviously not a good week, but you look at the weather, you look at the situation there. I'm going to go with the home team on the short week, and I think that they're going to catch them there. On the other side, when you go over to FanDuel, what you're looking for there is you're looking for the touchdown upside. That's what you're looking for. That's important. You're looking for guys who touch the football, guys who have touchdown upside, and let's do the same thing. Let's start on the other side. Now, here's the thing. The Bears are almost the opposite. On FanDuel, they are at 5K. They are the most expensive defense. So that should be a big red flag for you. And you realize, hey, I'm getting a big discount on DraftKings on the Bears. When, and FanDuel is valuing them the way I see them, which is, well, why wouldn't you want the Bears? They should be the most expensive. And they're doing that over on the FanDuel side. So keep that in mind. And I would recommend paying up for the Bears in this scenario because the guys at the bottom here, you want to run the risk of running those bills out there against the Dallas offense coming off a bad loss but they're at home on Thanksgiving. I think that's a risky probability. If you want to do that in tournaments on FanDuel, that's fine. Looking at the other side of this, when you go to tight end, this is where I would pay down for tight end and take a shot because what do you need to be a tight end one, Craig Mish? All you need is a touchdown. touchdown. And I think Doss... Is FanDuel not PPR? FanDuel is not a PPR? FanDuel is half. So Uh, the half marginalizes that a bit. And when it marginalizes it a bit, all of a sudden the touchdown upside becomes much more. So... Like you said, it's a wasteland. You could try to take some shots here and there, but really, I think there's only two guys you want to take shots with here. It's Jason Witten, where you hope for maybe you get a touchdown out of him, or it's Dawson Knox, who's had some moments recently. And if you do believe in you know what the Bills are doing, then you do believe Josh Allen's going to continue to find ways to get this team in scoring opportunities. Because why? Jared Cook is at the very top of this list and very expensive, where he should be. And this is the things when you go back and forth with the sites, it actually helps you prepare. For that weekend, uh, I would also continuously recommend Michael Thomas. Love Allen Robinson. Love Calvin Ridley in this one too. Calvin Ridley is a guy that ever since Hooper went down, you look at this game log for Ridley, it's been terrific. Craig Mish, 24.3, 19 points on FanDuel. He's got touchdowns in each of the last two games. So clearly, uh, with the 20 plus targets in those two games, that's a guy you want to own. Does it surprise you that Ridley's really stepped up and been the guy and Julio's been kind of just, I don't know, not as Julio as we want him to be? Uh, I mean, he could be banged up. He's kind of always banged up. Dealing with up, the shoulder I, issue right now. I mean, yep. I mean, it was a guess to see who would get more targets with Hooper being out. And and obviously that answer now is um, is Ridley. But, you know, again, the Saints did give up some points last week. So potentially that could be on deck again this week. I'm just worried 
that all the good feelings for the Falcons are now gone after you know that nice little two game run and then just getting throttled last week by Tampa Bay because Atlanta didn't play well on offense either and that that is a little bit more of my concern is I I thought the Bucks would win the game but I thought Atlanta would like just go back and forth with them like a 34-31 I don't know like, they couldn't do anything offensively it was weird yeah and now in this one too where you would definitely look for those guys who catch the football like Tariq Cohn you know those kind of running backs really really help you I think what you want to do here on the regular side is what about John Brown why isn't he in any of these lineups uh John Brown is not in any of these lineups and this is the first you look we've been doing this for a couple weeks talking some DFS lineups you know John Brown's been all mine you know you know how I feel about John Brown and DJ Moore that pretty much locks in my lineups I'm fading away from him this week in, in favor of Beasley on the other side I just feel like the volume will be there for Beasley Brown will get a ton of attention and probably a bunch of double coverage because I think that's at this point, that's what you do. And they started to see that a little bit from Denver last week, which is why he only caught a couple balls. He did catch a touchdown, but he only caught a couple balls. It was much harder for him. Teams are starting to figure that out. Uh, Josh Allen, for me, the quarterback that I like the most because he is running the football. So that's another guy. I keep talking about him. Great value there. 78 on FanDuel. It's a great value that plays in GPP. It plays in cash games all the same. And then... I think when you're just looking for touchdowns, I think you really should consider Latavius Murray. You should consider Devin Singletary. You consider those kind of running backs. And if you do pay down a little bit for the Josh Allens of the world, maybe you take one more shot at wide receiver. You go down a little bit for somebody else. Or if you go all the way down to Dawson Knox, it allows you to pay up for one of the bigger running backs. And Ezekiel Elliott is at the top of that board. So Elliott, you know, you're going to get the volume. You know what you're getting out of him. He's got the touchdown upside. And clearly in a slate where Alvin Kamara Looks great all purpose. There's still some questions here because who's getting the touchdown? Latavius Murray. In terms of cost, you're talking about a $2,000 difference. So I would fade Kamara for Murray. So that would be my approach in this slate for FanDuel and on DK on Thanksgiving. And there you go. De- uh, Thanksgiving Day slate with Joe Pizzapia, a little DFS style. Good luck to you who are playing on Thursday. Coming up next, time to hit on a little Florida, man. Don't go away. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. And now it's time on Fantasy Sports Today to see what's going on in the Sunshine State with Florida Man. All right. I don't know what any of that meant, but it sounded good to me. <laughs> really? You're such a smart guy. I would think you yeah, would love I DFS. I, I, I can't get it. Why? All right, here. Uh, still, uh, okay. I just uh, the gambling is isn't isn't is basically absorbed that for. Uh, I understand. I feel like the I feel like the DFS is a lot easier to make money in if you start to do it right. It's difficult to get it right, but once you start getting it right, I understand people get frustrated. And why are you retired? Exactly. No, uh, I don't know because I just honestly because I just started getting it right in the last year when Chris and I started working together. Yeah, but I mean, come on, it's impossible. Yeah, that's fair. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. It is time for us to dive into some of the stories 
that make you say, what in the world is going on in the state of Florida? It is our Florida man, November 26, 2019 edition. I'm guessing that next week we'll have some great Florida man Thanksgiving stories. But for now, these are the stories that are leading up to us here on Thanksgiving Day. So, Joe, you ready to roll through a little Florida man here on this Tuesday? I am always equal parts excited and terrified for Florida man. Well, the good news is not a lot of stories here where I live in South Florida from what I saw this week, although we do have a Florida woman story. No. Okay, here we go. Story number one, a 20-year-old Florida man who was arrested last Friday after attempting to race a police officer on a highway told authorities that, quote, he was just trying to go fast. A man in Tampa named Connor was detained by a Clearwater police officer shortly after 2 a.m. on November 22nd. He's facing a charge of racing on highways. The suspect violated his probation, which he already had in Hillsborough County. The Tampa Bay Times reports authorities had not been aware that the other driver was a police officer. And of course, he was arrested shortly thereafter. The incident took place on the Courtney Campbell Causeway, and that's a long causeway in the Tampa St. Pete area runs between Tampa and Clearwater. Nine point five mile stretch. Uh, Police observed him driving eastbound on the causeway, trying to bait the officer to race him. So a bad move as well. He's had some felony charges in the past. Grand theft, uh, controlled substance. He's got a new bond of only $250. So basically he's out, Joe. And I mean, note to self, I guess just uh, you got to make sure you know who you're racing against if you're going to go down this road. That's that's really the moral of the story, I think. Yeah, I, uh, this is I love the verbiage here. The defendant then revved his engine and took off, reaching speeds of 120 miles per hour with wanton disregard for other motorists. Yeah, you, know, you know, there's not enough wanton disregard. Just generally speaking, it's nice to see that in print. I like that Want That might be my team name next year. Wanton disregard. I love that. That sounds great. That's a good movie right there. But uh, I don't know about you, Craig, but in Jersey, we get a lot of these yahoos who like to race their cars. They got the little tiny Toyotas all souped up because they think they're fast and furious. And they're like, and then they speed up and they're going like 70 miles an hour to the next light. That's like 200 yards away. And I'm just kind of thinking to myself, who are you impressing? Your car is loud. You're obnoxious. Nobody cares. No women think you're hot because you're doing that. I just I don't get it. Is that I imagine the road racing in Florida is probably a big deal, right? You see a lot of those big, loud cars that kind of just just by you on the highway. Not not like I used to. Not as much as I used to. It used to be a thing more in the uh, 90s and stuff like that. But no, I really, you know, these days I don't see it that much. But again, I'm not in areas where you can do that. I'm in very uh, urban areas. So it'd be impossible for anybody to race. But I'm supposing out west kind of where I live. Yeah, I could I could see that being a possibility. I just don't get it. I don't get it. And I've never seen the Fast and Furious movie. I've I've tried to watch one of them once the first one. And I just didn't get it. I was like, OK, okay yeah, they're cars, very right? popular. Yep. Very. Yeah, I, I don't watch them, but they're very popular. I acknowledge that. All right. Here's the second one here. Uh, Florida man who robbed a bank wearing a Make Great America Great Again. I don't know why this is relevant, but uh, he's wearing the T-shirt, received uh, far more money than he demanded while robbing the bank, and then he told the teller to give him less cash. This is a new one. Sandy Hawkins, 73-year-old man, Tuesday, he uh, he robbed the bank at Wells Fargo in Boca Raton. So this is not too far from me, about 40 minutes, about 11.30 a.m., and he told the teller that he had a weapon and said this is a robbery. He asked for $1,100. The teller gave him $2,000 in $100 bills, but the man said he told the teller it was too much. He said, I just want $1,100. So the teller slid the $1,100 through the window. Hawkins took it and left, and he was discovered at a nearby sports bar that he usually goes to, and um, and he confessed and uh, made it easy. He apparently handed them a bank slip, Joe, that said, give me $1,100. Now, no alarms. Hope to get caught. 
a very strange story. And it seems like this guy had, unfortunately, some you know mental problems and, and things of that nature. So you don't want to make light of it that he wanted to get caught. But very weird that you would rob a bank, Joe. Nonetheless, get more money than you asked for and then give some back. Doesn't happen. I love, yeah, I love the practicality here. You know, this is a very old man thing. No, no, I don't. I don't need all that. I just need eleven hundred dollars. I don't need. No, do you want that in a gift card? Sir? No, I don't want it in a gift card. I just, just, I just want eleven hundred dollars. Would you like that in small? I don't care what kind of bills. I just want eleven. Just all hundreds. That's all I want. Eleven hundred dollar bills. That's all I want. I, I, I like the crankiness that's here. I feel like there's a little old well, man. It's a Boca Raton here. guy, so there's a lot of crankiness in yeah. Boca Raton. And this is, I hope this isn't you someday, where you go back to the the sports wagering place or whatever it is, and you know, yeah, that's a fair point. Crankiness you win five thousand. No, I don't want it. Give me three thousand. Okay, I just want three thousand. That's all I want. I don't want five. <laughs> I, just, I don't want. That's too much. That's too much money, and I got to pay taxes. That's like those people who say, "Well, I don't want to win a million dollars." Then I think of all the taxes I'll have to pay. That's an idiotic thing to say. That's the this dumbest sound, thing anyone can ever This sounds like a Kirby enthusiasm. or uh, Doesn't it, though? It sounds very yeah, Larry does. David. Yeah. You know, I just need $1,100. That's all I need. By the way, he played uh, Bernie Sanders the other night again on SNL, and I just, I don't know, no matter how many times I see it, it makes me laugh. I love when Larry David plays Bernie Sanders. He's like, I'm yell- it's like I'm talking with all caps on. <laughs> he said the other night. I love that. He's the best. I didn't see it. I did see Will Ferrell hosted, saw the monologue, but. Uh, the cut out the monologue was very funny. The cutout sketch about the high school drama teacher Will Ferrell played. Oh my god, absolutely stunningly hilarious. I don't know if it wasn't all I didn't see the whole show. I saw like most of it, but I saw on the internet that sketch and it said cut for time, but there was an audience laughing, so I don't know if it really was cut for time or what, but my god, was that funny too. Will Ferrell's just great. But you so so they posted a video of a sketch that was cut, really? Well, they it's called cut for time, but I don't know if they're just like saying it's like the last sketch so people don't see it so they put it out there but oh. anybody who was in a high school drama club or did theater in high school will ferrell playing this drama teacher was one of the funniest things you'll ever see and it's it all the kids trying to wait for the casting i'll try to send you the link for it because i posted it on a face i shared it on facebook it was just so damn funny all right so this one's a little bit more on the disturbing side uh this this happened uh not far from me about 30 minutes away uh florida man as as workers were dredging a miami area canal earlier this month a man's body suddenly fell from a tree and splashed into the water south florida water management district crews were working at the miami canal between okeechobee road and canal street when uh police said when the wake from their boat and equipment apparently dislodged a heavy set man wearing a green shirt and black pants a police uh, dive team was called. Remove the body from the homeless man found floating face down a canal. Police uh, policeman believed that he was dead before he fell into the water from the tree. It was eight to ten feet, and discovered in the canal around eight thirty a.m. They found a driver's license nearby that identified the man as well. He was arrested eleven times since two thousand ten. Needless to say, dead men dead men falling from trees in <laughs> South Florida, Joe. Not the not the iguanas. Dead men. Watch out. Yeah, well, and iguanas too. Let's not forget about the iguanas. You know, that, that all is part of it. Uh, I don't understand why was it important to mention and then put in quotes in this story a heavy set man wearing a green shirt? Like, well, okay, like you know, geez, the man's dead. You know, you want to fat shame him too at the same time? Like, to really have to do that? I mean, have we not gone deep enough into this? Speaking of dead bodies, I don't know what you're doing this week, but uh, oh, Thursday okay. night after. Uh, and like how wait do you hear this transition <laughs> Thursday night? Yeah, yeah, I'm waiting to go to bed. Say. I'm I'm gonna watch The Irishman on Netflix. How about you? Three and a half uh, hours. So I might have to do it tomorrow night, night. I think for me, yeah, tomorrow night. 
I'm, I have to wait tomorrow night. I got to go to bed early because I got the TV in the morning. I, I'm, oh, I'm yeah, an old yeah, fart. Yeah. I can't stay up late. I, I, I would. I am very start. excited for it. Yeah, I am definitely. Yeah. I, I, I hope that I'll be able to watch it tomorrow night. Three and a half um, hours. Am I? Yeah, I'm gonna I do know. That's, parts. that's the problem. That's, yeah, that <laughs> is the problem. I, I mean, if I was in the theater, it would be a no brainer. But yeah, I'm going to have to figure that out. But the good news is, is again, uh, you know, four days to get it done. Yep. Um, but Thursday night, no, because Thursday night's Mississippi. Maybe Spanish. Monday we do the review or is that too much on a Monday? I don't know. Well, there'll be less games uh, on Monday because look. of the three Thursday games. So maybe. Man, we have a, well, yeah, no, I look. Yeah, I, I guess we could. We'll, we'll, we'll see what happens with that. There we go. All right, let's uh, let's end this with a Florida woman. I know Joe loves his Florida women stories. I just I like search. equal opportunity stupidity. That's all. I, I search for them every week, and it's rare to find them, but we got one here. Okay. That's why so, I want you to be president. <laughs> so this is, this is a really impressive one here. A Florida woman was busted for allegedly swiping more than $110,000 worth of luxury watches from men that she met at clubs, including a tourist from New York who uh, she snatched his $56,000 timepiece. Her name is wow. Caitlin, 25 years old. There's a mugshot. She was oh, charged yeah. Wednesday with grand theft in connection in three different cases where she allegedly took dates back to the hotel after a night of partying, waiting until they dozed off and then took the watches. Impressive. Uh, the quote is a blonde vixen met the first alleged victim at the <laughs> Mokai Lounge in Miami Beach. 2008. She went back to his room at the Fountain Blue when the guy woke up and his $12,000 watch gone. $12,000 in cash. Why the hell does this guy have $12,000 in cash? OK, whatever. Gone. $800 Apple iPhone gone, Gucci belt $600 gone. A few months later, a New Yorker visiting Miami Beach met up with the woman at the same club before taking back to his hotel room at the one hotel in Miami Beach. He went to sleep wearing a $56,000 watch. Uh, it was missing also. 2019 at the Mondrian Hotel in Miami Beach. She met this guy. She snatched a $20,000 watch, $10,000 Rolex, and some money. And um, she also did this back in Broward County, which is where I live. In 2017, she stole a $12,000 Ulysses Norden, whatever that is, and $1,000 cash. And uh, she also uh, did this at the Hard Rock Casino, which is very close to my house. Ten minutes. $700 for sexual favors. Going to sleep, waking up to find his watch gone, too. So she's a real impressive one. And Joe, uh, looks like, at least for the time being, her thievery has come to an end. Although her mugshot, when you look at it, uh, I don't know. Like I, I guess she's had better looking days. Let's just put it I don't know. Blonde Vixen certainly isn't coming to mind looking at the headshot. Not with this mugshot. No. Yeah. No, no, definitely not. And I, and I think this kind of goes to a larger point, which is, gentlemen, if you're traveling, if you're out there and all of a sudden just any woman randomly comes up to you and all of a sudden the next thing you know, she wants to have sex with you or something. Chances are there's something else afoot. You know, have you learned nothing? We can always go back to Seinfeld here on this show. Did you learn nothing from George Costanza, right? Remember that pretty lady wanted to, you know, go back to the hotel room with him in the middle of the day. And what happened? She stole all of his clothes. That's what happened. She chained him to the bed, handcuffed yep. him to the bedpost, stole all of his clothes. And uh, and that's true. And that there you go. So if it seems too good to be true, it usually is. Now, maybe because she wasn't super attractive, people thought, hey, maybe this is legitimate because no attractive woman would want to randomly sleep with me the first time she met me. But um, yeah, definitely troubling. That's for sure. But uh, it's nice to see the Florida women. He's getting out They're there making once in a while, appearances. Yeah. making some appearances, stealing some watches. I like that she was consistent too. watches. She had the watch market cornered. Mission. It's amazing to me. And I guess I guess I'm I'm not naive in very many things. Like I, I am pretty much caught up on the world and very caught yeah, up on things that happen financially. Guy. Yeah, I know. But, but to me, that's the one thing that I never got was wearing watches worth oh, me 30, too. 40, 50 grand. You and me like, both. I just, I just don't get it. Like, I, I can wear understand if you really wanted a nice wallet. I'm sorry, a nice watch. And you paid, 
you know, $500, $1,000, $2,000 watch. Okay. You know, like I, I could see it. It's reasonable. But a $40,000 watch or $30,000, uh, I just look like, at me, what, thing, man. I don't get it. Either. Yeah, but that's like for like a car that makes some. Even I though I don't, yeah, I, I guess I do have a car that is worth that. So I get it. But but a, but a watch. Yes, like, but the I car has a purpose. It takes you for, it, it takes you from place to place. And on top of it, you can tell time with it. It's got a got a watch inside the car. That's true. Yeah, that's true. I could just wear that. Yeah, you just no, build I, an entire it, car. It, that one is baffling to me when I see these prices, and I'm just like, wow. Okay. All right. So that's our uh, Florida man, Florida woman segment. Hopefully, those people who are all in jail they can play Dak Prescott DFS. <laughs> That'll do it for the first hour. We got the best stuff coming up next, and then we're gonna dive into the best quarterback seasons of all time, and where will Lamar Jackson rank among these? We'll start to dive into that next. NFL season is now upon us, and you can become the eighth person to win $1 million in a FanDuel or DraftKings tournament by setting their lineups using the DailyRoto.com DFS lineup optimizer. If you are playing daily fantasy sports and not using DailyRoto.com, you're doing it wrong. Sign up now for the NFL access with a faster optimizer, smarter DFS projections, and better results. Enter promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. That's promo code ACTION for a 10% discount. DailyRoto.com, where millionaires are made. Fantasy Sports Today with Craig Mish and Joe Pizzapia. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we wrap up the first hour of the show, here's what you missed. All right, so this one's a little bit more on the disturbing side. Uh, this this happened uh, not far from me, about 30 minutes away. Uh, Florida man, as as workers were dredging a Miami area canal earlier this month, a man's body suddenly fell from a tree and splashed into the water. South Florida Water Management District crews were working at the Miami Canal between Okeechobee Road and Canal Street when uh, police said when the wake from their boat and equipment apparently dislodged a heavy set man wearing a green shirt and black pants, a police uh, dive team was called, removed the body from the homeless man, found floating face down a canal. Police, uh, policeman believed that he was dead before he fell into the water from the tree. It was 8 to 10 feet and discovered in the canal around 8.30 a.m. They found a driver's license nearby that identified the man as well. He was arrested 11 times since 2010. Needless to say, dead men dead men falling from trees in <laughs> South Florida, Joe. Not the, not the iguanas, dead men. Watch out. Yeah, well, and iguanas too. Let's not forget about the iguanas. You know, that, that all is part of it. Uh, I don't understand why was it important to mention and then put in quotes in this story a heavy set man wearing a green shirt. Like, well, okay, like you know, geez, the man's dead. You know, you want to fat shame him too at the same time. Like, to really have to do that? I mean, have we not gone deep enough into this? And we'll be right back with more fantasy sports today, hour number two. If you're listening live. Or if you're listening on demand, this is FNTSY Radio, Craig Mish, Fantasy Sports Today.